Welcome to the SOSChurch.com podcast. We are an international church in the heart of Stockholm that meets every Sunday at 11.30 a.m. at Trottninggata 81. The celebration is in English with translation into Swedish, Farsi and Spanish. Our vision is to be a church that is for all people and to all nations, living the Book of Acts kind of life in Stockholm and to the ends of the earth. We hope that this week's message will challenge and equip you to live a strong life together with Jesus. Before I became a pastor, I was, a bu- I was butchering meat. I was working in a grocery store with one of the most negative person I have ever met. Uh, we had a lot of fun together. We were very different, but we had a lot of fun together. And he'd been working with butchering meat since he graduated school. So for some 35 years, that was the only thing that he, he had worked with. And he's still working with it. And he's soon a senior citizen. Um, so that was his work. Um, he was also smoking a lot. Like a lot. And his highlight every week was that on Friday night, he could uh, finally have the opportunity to get drunk. He was always looking forward to Friday night because that's when he could get drunk. And he was very overweight. He loved bad food. He hated working out. And he loved to complain. All right. Can you see him? So we are standing day after day working together and having a lot of interesting conversations. (laughs) And then I, I stopped at work and I didn't see him for a few years. When I saw him again... He had lost, I don't know, 25 kilos. He had stopped smoking. He was not drinking any longer. He was eating very healthy. He lived a very disciplined life. And he, he saw much happier out. He looked much, much happier. And I was like, what happened? Like, no, he got di- diabetes. Is that how you say it? And he said, I, I had no other choice. I had to start to live a disciplined life. And actually, it's awesome. You never heard him say those words before. But he was like, it's, I feel very good. When I stopped smoking, I felt like I could start breathing again. It's so nice to breathe. All right. Sometimes challenges, problems, obstacles are pushing us to a change. Very few of us are changing when everything is good, right? So actually, problems and challenges is a catalyst for change at times. In the Bible, it's written that we should count it as our, as our greatest joy when we meet challenges of all kinds. I don't know how many saints we have here, but this, when you're in the, in the midst of challenges, it's very hard to see the joy part and the good part. But if you make the right choices, it can bring a change in your life that is awesome, right? When I was praying for this year, I was setting aside some time in November when I was fasting and praying and asking God for direction for this year. And, and I, in the beginning when I was praying, I felt like I, could, I couldn't see God. I just saw a lot of problems. Personal challenges, personal pressure, challenges in the church. I felt like it, it was so many things just going on. And if I would to look out the window and see, look to the society for help good luck. (laughs) War in Israel, war in Ukraine, 
People are shouting about the climate crisis, there is inflation, there is instability all over, right? Shootings almost every night in Stockholm. It was so many things just going on. There is a so much confusion going on in the society. If we look to the society, there is a lot of negative, dark things going on. It doesn't make you any happier. It doesn't give you any good perspective. So I was praying and I was like, God, what do you want to say for this year? God, I need to hear from you. And all of a sudden, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. He gave me a scripture from the book of Esther. And I'm going to preach, preach that to you today. And when I heard that, vo that, that scripture, all of a sudden, it was like my clouds just disappeared. And the fear just disappeared. And all of a sudden, faith was filling my heart. And I felt like this is the best time ever to build church. This is the best time ever to live. This is the time God has called us for. This is what God has prepared us for. And I realized that church have never been thriving in good, easy times. The church have always been growing and multiplying and being as strongest when it's been a lot of obstacles, when it's been a lot of darkness and persecution, when the society been very different. That's when the church have been as strongest and seeing the power of God at work the most. So what we need is not another season. What we need is God to break fear in our lives. All of us can be gripped by fear or attacked by fear. It happens to me. I think it happens to you at times too that fear is taking a grip over your life. And, and fear is almost like, a, if I'm saying this right, I hope I'm saying this, this right, constri constricting snake. Ethan is American. He's nodding here, so I'm, I'm okay. Can we take up the picture of the snake? Some of you will hate this picture. Constricting snake that is, is, is squeezing the animal to death, right? It's not poisonous, but it's strangling or squeezing it to death. You know, when that starts to surround someone or something, every, every time the animal is exhaling, breathing out, it squeezes a bit tight, more tightly. And next time it's harder to breathe. <laughs> and every time he's breathing out, the snake squeezes more tightly and harder. After a while, the animal cannot breathe. But the snake keep on holding the grip until the heart stop beating. Then you know it's dead. Fear is like a boa snake that is trying to get a hold of you. It it's grips us all at times. It's coming after every one of us at times. But you can never ever give in to fear. If you give in to fear, you can, you, you, you can never make peace with it. Because it's going to bind you up. And it's going to squeeze you until it's harder and harder to breathe. And it's going to take all the joy, all the peace, all the good things in your life. It wants to take your life, basically. You can never make peace with fear, all right? So what are we to do? Because we will all meet fear at times. Fear's antidote is faith. We got to meet it with faith. 
is written in Romans 10 and 17 that now faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That means that when you're sitting right now listening to a sermon, listening to the word of God, faith is filling your heart. If you're listening, faith is going to fill your heart. And all of a sudden, joy is coming into your heart. And, 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 and positive energy is filling your spirit. And all of a sudden, those fear that been binding you up is losing its grip. And you see possibilities. You see a new future. You see that you're not bound anymore longer so you got to fill yourself with the word of God so that fear will not have the upper hand in your life amen, amen. All right the good news is that we were never meant to do life alone we were created to live together with God we were never created to face fear or f be overwhelmed by the pressure alone but we were created to do it together with God and I'm, I'm going to preach for three Sundays under the theme for such a time as this and I want to uh, preach out of the book of Esther if you have never read the story of Esther before I want you to know that Esther she was a, a girl that pr could have felt like I'm the girl God forgot her parents died in a very young age. She was adopted by a relative. She was living in a nation that was not her nation, but her people been taken into captivity into Babylon, which is, is Iran today. They've been taken there into captivity 100 years ago, and they were never fully accepted. So she always felt like the girl could have felt that I'm the one that God forgot. But she was going to learn to trust God in her life, all right? There was a lot of Jewish people leaving Babylon after 70 years together with Nehemiah and Ezra. And Ezra, if, you've been, if you know the Bible history, they went back to rebuild Jerusalem again. But it was a big community staying in Babylon. And they were now living in Susa, which was the capital in in the Babylonian Empire and there's a few people I want you to know about when we're studying this story because is you, you can almost see like prophetic shadows when we read the story that means something for us in the New Testament so there is two Jewish people if we can take it up here it is Esther and it is Mordecai Mordecai seems almost to be like an image of the Holy Spirit for us in the New Testament church. And Esther, she seems to be like the New Testament church that is accepted by grace. Alright, we meet uh, a couple of Babylonian people as well. It's King Xerxes. Uh, and he's somewhat of an image of God the Father. We cannot take these images too far because he's taking some bad decisions as well. But it's still something that you can have in mind when we are studying this book. Then we have Vasti, that is, who is the queen in the nation. And she is a sign for rebellion. And then we have Haman, who is uh, some kind of satanic character in the book of Esther. As we are stepping into the story, King Xerxes is having the biggest party that have ever existed, I think, or the longest. It went on for 187 days. That's a long party. What we will do this year? Party. 
So we read from Esther 1 and 4. For a full 180 days he displayed a vast wealth, wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and glory of his majesty. When these days were over, the king gave a banquet. Can you read it? <laughs> when this party was over, he had a new party. Lasting seven days in, enclosing, in the enclosed garden in the king's palace. And all people... From the least to the greatest who were in the citadel, uh, citadel of Susa. So everyone was invited for the party. And it was going to last for seven days. They were all invited to the king. Eating with the king. Partying with the king. Hanging out with the king. Can you imagine? I'm waiting for an invitation to the king of Sweden. He has never done it. <laughs> seven day party at the castle. Wine was served. In goblets of gold, each one different from the other. And the royal wine was abundant in keeping with the king's liberty. By the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink with no restrictions. For the king instructed all the wine stewards to serve each man what he wished. Okay, it was a generous king. He was displaying all his glory and his splendor and generosity. And some of you are like, I wish I could have been at that party. I tell you that there is a greater party to attain 2024. And, and that is the king of kings. I want to speak this to you. I believe that God more than anything else this year wants to invite you to his party. He wants to invite you to his table. He wants to invite you to come close to him. And he is generous. He will put no restrictions on you. You can eat as much as you want. You can drink as much as, much as you want. But he wants to bring you close. Some people, they want to be blessed by God on a distance. It's almost like... I were to invite you home and you're like, that's awesome. What food will it be? And I'm like, yeah, I will cook, cook some good food. And, and right before you call me, you're like, hmm, I don't want to show up, but could you bring the food to me? Could you just deliver the food at my door? Could you like send a fedora or Uber Eats? Like, I want to stay home. Just give me the food. That's how some people is treating God. They're like, God, can you heal me? Can you bless me? Can you touch me? But please, I don't want to submit to you. I don't want to live in a relationship with you. I want to do whatever I want to do, but I want to receive something from you. That's not what God is into. He says, come at my table. Sit close to me. Because he wants you. He wants a relationship with you. And at his table, he says that you can drink as much wine as you want. And I got to bring this because wine in the scripture is often a symbol for the Holy Spirit. It's written like this in Ephesians 5 and 18. Do not get drunk on wine. Can I hear an amen in SOS Church Stockholm? Amen. Which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine. Be drunk in the Holy Spirit. 
We believe in a spirit-filled church. We believe in a drunk church that are full of the Holy Spirit, that are walking in signs and wonders, that are seeing visions, not because you're drunk by wine and see weird things. No, you see things by the Spirit that are babbling and speaking, not because you've been drinking too much. No, but because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. So you loosen up so you can share the gospel freely because you're drunk in the Holy Spirit. How much can you drink? As much as you want. And that is the beautiful thing with God. He put no restrictions on you. Maybe you say, I've been Christian for so long. I've seen it all. No, you have not. There is more to receive. Because in John's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 34, it is written like this. For the one whom God has sent speaks the word of God. For God gives the Spirit without limits. God wants to give you His Holy Spirit with no limits. How many limits is it when you drink from the Holy Spirit? This is a smart church. There's no limits. Some people want a miracle, but they don't want the relationship with a miracle maker. Some people want a blessing, but they don't want to get to know the one who is blessing. God is not working like that. He wants a relationship. This year you can sit and get drunk on God's table. Amen? They were all drinking from different cups. They had, you can take the next slide. Everyone had a unique goblet of gold that they were drinking from. No one looked like the same. I brought a couple of cups here today. I brought my favorite cup. I got it when I was teaching in our Bible school down in Kenya. It's made of soapstone and and it's very nice. It's very heavy. My wife doesn't like it at all because it's 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 too heavy. I'm a bit strong, so I, I like it. And it's made of stone, so I noticed that when I pour coffee into it, the coffee gets cold and the stone gets warm. So I always warm it a bit first in warm water and then coffee. I give you some good insights today. And then I can sit for a long time reading my Bible in the morning, praying, drinking my coffee. It's very nice. I love this cup. I have one more cup that I love and it is this. But my wife is hiding it all the time. When we got married, I had the cheapest cups you could get on Ikea, and I received it as a gift from my mom. She had used them before, and she didn't like them as long as I got them. And, and I thought it was awesome because I could drink from these cheap cups, and people could drink from an expensive cup, and I felt like a winner because it's the same coffee we drink, right? But my wife, she wanted nice cups, and she found them, and they were very expensive. I don't know how much it cost, but it was a lot. And... Eventually she convinced me and we bought them one after one and when we got some money we should buy more of them So we have a lot of them actually, but they're all standing hidden on the in a, in a shelf high up on a shelf Because of the few years they were not looking good any longer before they were looked awesome Really good, but now they look really bad. That's what she thinks But I know that they're still looking good so I, if I don't take my stone cup, I will take this cup. It's very good. I like it. If you come to my place, you can try it. My wife, she's drinking from this cup because she got them from her parents that got it as a wedding gift, maybe a hundred years ago or something. And she got them. But the only problem with these cups is that if you take one sip, it's empty and you need to refill it. So I hate those cups. I don't like them at all. And then I got Pastor Douglas' cup. He's always having a cup like that. He, he think all of them are too small and 
He thinks that this is a manly cup, manly size, so he's drinking from this cup. We all have different favorite cups. I don't know what favorite you have, but you know what I have at least. So, When they had that party, everyone got a unique cup. God did not invent the copy machine. Right? Everyone got a unique cup. When God created you, he didn't create you like me. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> he created us all with a unique DNA. You can take the first slide. Unique DNA. He even gave us a unique fingerprint. He gave us a unique voice print. So when they are checking the voice, everyone on earth has a different voice. I even read that they, you, we have unique heartbeat, which is crazy. This Wednesday, it was 8 billion, wow, 84 million, no, even more. It was a lot of people <laughs> living on this earth. I don't know how to say all of these numbers in English. But it's like a lot of people on earth today. <laughs> and everyone is looking unique. How crazy is that? How can you come up with over 8 billion unique fingerprints? And voice prints, and DNA, and heartbeat, and, and, and there's probably more things. Crazy, right? And then in the nature, I read that every snowflake falling from the sky, and we know that there is a lot, is unique. Boo! How crazy isn't that? How, why did God put all the energy in to create unique snowflakes? Every cloud formation ever existed is unique. Even the leaves I read is unique. If you want more things, you can ask chat GTP because I read a lot of things. God is, did not invent the copy machine. He made so much unique. Everyone was drinking from a unique cup, right? But we're drinking the same wine. In the same way, we are all very different from one another. We look different, we speak different, but we have the same Holy Spirit living inside of us. And we got to be able to mature, to recognize God in one another. What God is doing in someone else. Recognizing the gift that someone else is from God to you. And see that the Holy Spirit might speak through a friend in a, in a way that is different from what you are used to. But we can see God in one another. When Paul was correcting the church in Corinth, he wrote to them and said, Stop fighting about different leaders. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? They're only servants to whom you came to believe, but it's all a matter about God. So neither Apollos or Paul or, or, or whoever leads us, doesn't matter. What matters is God. Are you with me? Later on in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he said this. There is different, kind, different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there's different kinds of working, but in all and in every. But in them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. 
So what matters is that God is at work. But you got to come with your unique personality, your unique giftings, your unique calling. We have the same Holy Spirit, but you got to work and do the assignment God has for you. Your gift is needed. Your contribution is needed. You can reach someone I cannot reach. You can encourage someone I cannot encourage. God can use you to do something I cannot do. Are you with me? We are all called by the same Lord. We have the same God living inside of us. And you can receive as much of the Holy Spirit as you want to. There is no restrictions. There is no limitations. The only thing is that you, you need to use your own cup. You need to use your own gifts. You need to use your own talents. God wants to use you. Amen. God is at work in us all. If we go back to the story in the book of Esther, we can see that, that when he had his party, he wanted to bring in his wife. <laughs> he wanted his wife to wife, Queen Vestic, to come in. And he wanted everyone to see, see her because she was probably beautiful. And then that would make him feel proud. And she refused to come in. She refused to come in. And some of you, you're like, that's good. Women, you got to stand up and fight. Uh, that's not the message I'm bringing to you today. <laughs> I said that the king is an image of God. And she's an image of rebellion. So it's not, it's not the feminist speech I'm holding today, okay? Bear with me. She refused to come in. She was in rebellion towards the king and she lost her position as a queen. Some people forget that God is God and that we're human beings. They, they want it their own way. In Sweden it's very popular to say, I want it my way. I want it my style. Whatever fits me, whatever I feel. I want it my, you know, everything is from my perspective. But you can forget that when you come to God. Because God, he has a plan and he's been writing down his word and he has instructions for you and me and you cannot change the word of God the word of God got to change you amen that that means that we need to do some old-fashioned thing that is called submit we're going to submit to God you cannot rule him he will rule you. We're not guiding him. He's guiding you. You don't decide what is right. It's not your to choose. I cannot stand up here and preach my opinions and what I think and what I feel. I got to stand up and preach the word of God, right? Because in the end of the day, he is God and I'm not. We need to submit to the word of God. Not being rebellious like Queen Vesti. What happened is that she lost her place and someone else was going to fill that place instead. I want to bring this a bit longer. If you live like the world and talk like the world and are doing things like everyone else are doing, you're not following God. Yeah, but I want to fit in. Yeah, too bad. You're a Christian. You're born to stand out. He called you out of the world. He made you holy. He cleansed you. He saved you. He, he was placing His Spirit inside of you. You cannot live like everyone else. You cannot talk like everyone else. You cannot act like everyone else and live a Christian life in the same time because a Christian life is different. He has called you to His presence and you're being changed in His presence. 
Now Mordecai, who is an image of the Holy Spirit, he heard that they were looking for a new queen. And he now brought his adopted daughter Esther up. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit is bringing us to the King of Kings and our Heavenly Father. And it's written that in Esther 2 and 9 that she pleased him and won his favor. Immediately he provided her with beauty treatments and special food. It's like Stockholm. It's a lot of beauty treatments and diets and things. Um, verse 12. Before the young women tur women's turn came to go into King Xerxes, she had to complete 12 months of beauty treatments prescribed for the women. Six months with oil and myrrh. And six with perfumes and cosmetic. All right. I don't use cosmetics um, on a daily basis, not, not, not on all, all, any basis actually. <laughs> I use deodorant and I put something in my hair and, and that's enough. My wife, she's, it's a lot of more work with her actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. But what I have seen is that it's a daily process. <laughs> she put makeup on every day. I put deodorant on every day. You cannot say I, I had it last week. It, you know, your deodorant doesn't last that long. Ask someone next to you. <laughs> you know, in the same way, we are invited into the presence of God. But He starts some beauty treatments with our character. And being a disciple of Jesus is a daily thing. It's not like, yeah, I go to church twice a year. It's not like I'm going to church on Sunday. No, you walk with God daily. He wants to work on you daily. He wants to change us daily. We got to go down on our knees and say, Father, I want to follow you today. I want to walk with you today. It's a daily beauty treatment when we are changed and we're becoming more and more like Jesus. Salvation is a gift. You are saved. As soon as you, you give your life to Jesus, you're saved. Boom. It happened directly. You're accepted into his family, but uh, sanctification is a lifelong process when we become more and more and more like Jesus. All right? And if you want to be used, if you want to be a cop that is used for honorable and special occasions, you got to give yourself to these beauty treatments. In, in 2 Timothy 2 and 20, it's written that in a big house, there's a lot of different vessels. A lot of different cups. And not everyone is used for special occasions. If you want to be used on special occasions, if you want to have special missions from God, you got to cleanse yourself. you got to give yourself to the beauty treatments so that you can be changed. All right. In the story of Esther now, she's accepted as a queen. He loves her. But there is, it's not like a relationship in Sweden. Because if, he sh if, if Esther should come before the king, she needed to be called. All right? What they hear about now is that Haman, who is an image of Satan actually, he's the enemy of the Jewish people. And the reason is Mordecai. When Haman is traveling around in the city, Haman is second highest under King Xerxes. And wherever he goes, people need to bow down before Haman to pay him honor. And everyone does in fear of him except Mordecai. So whenever Haman is out traveling in Susa, everyone is falling down. But Mordecai is standing up. So he hates Mordecai. And he wants to find a way to kill him. 
So he have the king issue a new law that on one day all the Jewish people in the whole nation is going to be killed and destroyed. Men and women and children alike, they are going to be, be destroyed, all of them. When Mordecai hears about that, he's going to his adopted daughter Esther. And he's speaking to her and encourage her that you got to do something about this. And I want to read from Esther 4 and 13. All right. Mordecai uh, sent this reply to Esther. Don't you think for a moment that because you are in the, in the, in the place, palace, you will escape when all other Jews are killed? If you keep quiet at this time, at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Who knows if you, were not, if you were not made queen for such a time as this. You're not made queen because it was easy. You're not made queen to be honored by everyone. You're made queen to make a difference. To save your people. To save all the Jews that is living in this nation. In the same way, this was actually the word God spoke to me when I was praying. He said, you're called for such a time as this. And I want to give that to all of you. If you feel that there is a lot of challenges, maybe privately, maybe personally in your life or, or, or just in the society or with your family or or whatever is going on you were called for such a time as this you're not made for easy times you're made to change hard times you're not made to follow the stream or just follow along you were born to to go against the stream you're not born to submit to your fears you are born to face your fears and overcome your fears you're not born to a right time so you can shine with all of the other stars no you were born for a dark time for a dark season so that you can take the light of God and shine it to people in despair so you can make a difference for people that are suffering you were born for such a time like this how are you using your influence? How are you using your talents? How are you using your giftings? How are you to use it? Esther, she realized, I'm not here for myself. I'm here for others. You're not Christian or saved by God just for yourself. It's not just, oh, I, I got the golden ticket to heaven. No, you got to bring people along. You got to make a difference. Are you with me? The church is not a cruising ship. It is a rescue boat where we want to rescue as many people as possible, leading them to Jesus Christ so they can meet with Him. You are called for such a time like this. It's written that Esther replied like this to Mordecai, Go and gather all the Jews in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days. Uh, days, night, uh, night or day, my maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in and see the king. 
if I must die, I will die. We can have, have, have the musicians coming up. If I must die, I will die. Can you see what she's ready for? She's ready to give her life if it is needed to rescue her people. I think we got to have believers that are ready to risk something to rescue others. That are ready to pay a price to see other people coming to salvation. I think that we got to be believers that have a heart that is on fire for Jesus. That are realizing that eternity is at stake. We cannot just live for here and now. We cannot just live like everyone else. We cannot just say, oh, I want to be accepted and I want to please each and everyone and I want to be loved by everyone. No. You got to take a decision. I'm standing with God no matter what. I'm standing by the word of God even when it's uncomfortable. I'm following the guidance of the Holy Spirit even when I don't feel like I want to serve God. And I want to make a change and a difference in this nation. There's one place that is dangerous for us. Very dangerous to stay too long. And that is your comfort zone. It's a dangerous place where you feel everything is nice, everything is comfortable. I'm not challenged by anything. There's a lot of bad things that is growing if you stay there too long. Your ego grows. You become lukewarm. You start to blend in. There's a lot of bad things that can grow in that. But when you are in the battle, when you are sacrificing something, when you're serving God, He's changing you. It's not always easy, but it's going to change you for the better. It's going to make you into a new person. And you're going to bring a change to a lot of other people. So it's like... Thank you for listening to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our channel on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Curious to know more about our church? check out our website, soschurch.se. Have a great day.